You are now listening to Hack My Age, the show that brings you guests with information on how to make yourself hard to kill and help you live to 100 and beyond in good condition. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a digital nomad currently stuck in Spain, certified sports nutrition coach and master student of gerontology at USC. I am the creator of the Longevity Master Plan, an online program to slow aging and author of the cookbook, Eating for Longevity. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review to help others find us too. This episode is sponsored by Primadine, a supplement that if I had to choose only one, it would pretty much be this one. It's because Primadine is spermidine, and this has been shown to activate autophagy, which is super important, and it's basically a cellular cleanup and recycling process that declines as we age. When we get older, our cells accumulate a lot of junk and a lot of waste, and this isn't really great for us, so we need to clean it up. So if you want some research, go to primadine.com, and you can see all of it supporting cognitive health and heart health, hormone balancing, and long and strong hair, nails, and eyelashes by using spermidine. So another very important reason why I love primidine in particular so much is that I've never had received ever as much feedback about a product as I have with primidine. Literally several times a week, someone reaches out to me on Facebook or Instagram with an amazing testimonial. And most of the time it's about improved sleep. So I can honestly say that I can 100% be convinced now that primidine is the best spermidine supplement you'll ever find. And you can try it with a 15% discount by using the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, on primadine.com. And that's P-R-I-M-E-A-D-I-N-E.com. Now enjoy the show. Well, hello, Age Disruptors. Today, I'm recording this podcast with a live studio audience. All of you attending this recording are members of the Hack My Age VIP program. And part of being in this exclusive club is the ability to dial in and watch the interviews as they are recorded and ask your own questions. And if you want to be a part of this amazing community, go to patreon.com forward slash hack my age and sign up not only for these cool interviews, but free breath work and meditation classes and private consultations and so much more. So you probably have heard of my guest before over the last several years, she's been on the podcast circuit. She's all over Instagram. She speaks at loads of health conferences all over the world with leaders in longevity like David Sinclair and Dr. Sandra Kaufman. And she stands out because her jam is sex and skin. (laughs) These are two things we all want to keep glowing as we age. And this is the one and only Dr. Amy Killen. And we're going to bust some myths and reveal some truths today on women's sex lives in middle age. Thank you very much. (laughs) And Dr. Killen is board certified in emergency medicine and She decided to pivot her career into the field of regenerative medicine and medical aesthetics, and she is now the medical director of a national regenerative medicine physician training course, and she's well known for her work with Dr. Harry Adelson, who came up with the full body stem cell makeover. Now, if this doesn't say biohacker all over it, I don't know what does. This is one of the most innovative regenerative procedures I've ever heard of in my life. It's like better than the bionic woman. (laughs) So Dr. Killen has the coolest part of this procedure. And what she does is she combines stem cells and exosome injections. And don't worry, we're going to explain all of this, what that means with light, sound and other energy based therapies so that you can get this really amazing regenerative effect on your skin, your hair. And of course, your sexual systems. (laughs) So we can all have happy endings. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Yeah. So without further ado, meet Dr. Killen. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. And I got a ton of questions. I'm really excited to bust some myths. 
I am a big fan of yours as well as some of the people here uh, listening to you. You're doing an amazing job um, really sharing some, some fantastic information. I, I highly recommend everyone to follow you on Instagram. And you're Dr. Amy B. Killen with the letter B in that, right? That's so right. please go there and follow that. So because you're such an expert on, on this, I, 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 but out of curiosity, though, I really want to know what is it? Because you were in in emergency medicine, so how did you even make this transition into into the regenerative medicine space? Yeah, so I was an ER doctor for about ten years, and um, and it was a great job. I liked it a lot. But towards the end of that, I had my three kids within two years. So I had twins, then I had another one twenty months later, and then my husband kind of moved out of state to take a job, and I was like a single parent to all these small children. And I was working at a shift in the ER that started at four in the morning. So I was getting up at three and, you know, just not sleeping, not eating well, not taking care of myself, chronically stressed, like all the things, right? Like Accelerated all the aging. <laughs> yeah. I could feel my telomeres like shortening by the day. I was like, I'm getting so old. So after a, a few years of that, I just realized that in order to kind of help myself, help my family and even help my patients who I was seeing coming back over and over again to the ER with the same kinds of, you know, chronic problems that I needed to learn more about really longevity and anti-aging and um, eventually regenerative medicine. So I kind of, I kind of switched over slowly over several years and started practicing a lot with, you know, bioidentical hormones and, and, and sort of longevity practices. And what was happening is I'd had a lot of patients that would come back to me after they started feeling a little bit better. And they would say, Hey, I, you know, I'm starting to feel a little better. My motivation's back. My depression's not quite as bad. I'm losing a little weight. And now can you help me with either my skin or my sex life. And I got these same two things so frequently that I was like, can I help them? And so I started kind of diving really deep into those, those, those fields. And I just find people are interested in like, looking for alternative measures and, and, and combining that with sort of traditional therapies for skin rejuvenation, you know, hair restoration and sexual optimization as they get older. So that's, that's what I do now. Do you find that you get these questions a lot more from older people or younger people? Or is it about the same? When I mean older, um, I'm saying 50 plus. <laughs> yeah, I would say starting in like the mid, like mid 30s to early 40s is when I start getting questions. I think especially with women, they start thinking about skin a little earlier than men. You know, men don't tend to think about that as much until they get a little older. Um, and then probably mid, mid 40s or so for the sexual health stuff. Mm, interesting. So what kind of problems in general, like, you know, specifically are, let's, I want to focus on women over 50. So let's, what are you seeing, you know, when they're asking specifically about skin, is it the wrinkles and what is it about sex? Is there just low libido or what's happening there? Yeah, with skin, it's just general, you know, aging skin concerns. So it's wrinkles, it's loss of structure, loss of volume, thinning skin, you know, age spots, you know, all those kind of things that just happen as we get older, when we start to lose collagen and elastin and hyaluronic acid, obviously that you start to lose those things about at about 25, it just gets progressively worse. But by the time we're postmenopausal, because you've lost estrogen, unless you're replacing it, then you see a big decline in skin health in general, because because estrogen is really important for keeping your collagen structure intact, and for kind of preventing the breakdown of collagen. So in people who are postmenopausal, not on estrogen, they'll often see a big kind of decline in, in skin health, and they'll, they'll come to me and say, Oh, my gosh, what's happening? So that's, so that's the skin piece. And then for, you know, for the sexual piece, again, it's, it's sort of postmenopausal concerns and that's oftentimes hormone related in kind of until we work on hormones, but it could be, you know, loss of libido. It could be um, vaginal dryness. It could be pain, although I'm not an OBGYN. So if it's pain, I tend to refer them out to an OBGYN, you know, do a workup for pain and see if there's something structural going on. And if not, then, you know, obviously we can work on it, but those are some of the main things, loss of sensation, loss of uh, difficulty, orgasming, things like that. Okay. So these are the people who are actually coming to you because you've got so much experience here. We're going to dive into some of these myths that I'd like to bust or truths. And, and, you know, you're an expert in this space, so you can, you can guide us and tell us if, you know, there, these are issues, then how do we fix them as well? So a big one that comes up is women aren't interested in sex after menopause. 
Is that true or not? That is generally not true. Certainly there are some women who are not as interested, but I find that, you know, a lot of women starting in their forties become more interested because I feel like they become more, more comfortable with their bodies. They become more comfortable kind of with their place in the world, maybe a little bit more adventurous. And so I see, you know, kind of an uptick in sexual interest in a lot of my patients who are in their kind of forties and fifties, um, you know, as long as the hormones are, are not completely super low and they're, and they've lost total interest. But I think that's probably, a, that's probably a myth for the most part. So low libido is part of that, that myth that we're going to bust as well. So, I mean, I mean, some people do have low libido for sure. That's, and that's, you know, population of people, again, who, if, if you don't have testosterone, if you don't have estrogen, progesterone, all of those things, which are going to drop after, uh, after menopause, then you may have low libido, not always because it's, you know, the, the sexual, uh, libido, arousal sort of system is, is very complex. And in, in women, it's not just tied to testosterone or just tied to one thing, but certainly lower hormones can play a role in low libido if that's happening. So there's almost like two questions or the sense that women aren't interested in sex. Well, maybe they are in midlife, but they do have the low libido. So then we'd want to come you know, combat that. So you're saying that the way, one of the ways you would combat low libido would be through hormones such as testosterone. Yeah. You'd at least check your levels. And then, and you know, if you're postmenopausal and not taking hormones, then generally you're going to have lower levels um, and doing something, even if it's just occasional use of, of testosterone or estrogen uh, vaginally to help with dryness or, or things like that, that you could use kind of sporadically can certainly be helpful in people who want to increase libido, but it's just not, not quite there. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. Some people would say body isn't designed to have sex in older age. There's aches, pains, disease, illness, inflexibility. What would you say about that? Oh, I hate that. That's awful. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, there are all those things, but I think that all of us who are in this sort of longevity community are working really hard to decrease those things uh, and to prevent them from happening or like to push them to a later age. So, you know, my rebuttal would be that we, we should be taking good, good care of ourselves. We really should be obviously trying as much as best we can to stay as healthy uh, for as long as possible for many reasons, including so that we can still enjoy sex. Yeah. And those maybe kind of go hand in hand. Like if you're not taking care of yourself and you're having all these aches and pains and you're inflexible and, and you're feeling like crap, well then yeah, the libido is going to go down because you're in pain. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Which leads to another, another myth is, um, or truth, who knows, sex is painful after 50. No, it should never be painful. If it's painful, there's something, there's something going on there. I mean, certainly after 50, again, you could have vaginal dryness, you can have uh, sort of vaginal atrophy or, you know, thinning of the vaginal wall. And that, that can be painful, but you can use lubricants and, and I'd recommend that, you know, lubricants are great for any age, but especially as we get older, that should get rid of that pain. If there is one, if there is continues to be a pain, uh, then you should be, you should call, talk to your doctor and see what's causing it. You know, it could be a lot of different things can cause pain, structural problems, prolapse, you know, vaginismus, where it's kind of contracting, spasming, things like that. But, but there are typically treatments for that and it, it should never hurt for any age. So do you do anything in your practice in terms of that, or you refer out when somebody has pain? Um, I tend to refer out initially just to make sure it's not anything structural. If it's not, and if it's, if it's more like, you know, we need to work on lubrication or, um, or sensitivity or things like that, then, then I'll treat them. Cause I can do vaginal lasers and radiofrequency and, you know, injections and hormones and things like that, but I'm not going to be doing surgeries. Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Hack My Age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. It's interesting because you know, this is where I would see maybe sex and skin tied together when you are dried up in your face and your skin is all dried up. I understand all, that's not just on the outside can happen on the inside. 
<laughs> it's not absolutely vaginal dryness is, is, is a key thing that happens when you lose your estrogen. And, and the problem with that is not just that that sex can become painful, and that you know, you don't want to do it. It's it also can have some effects on your your pelvic floor health, you know, all of a sudden, maybe you start to have some urinary incontinence, because you don't have as much support of your pelvic floor structures, um, you can get you're more prone to getting uh, urinary tract infections, because again, those those tissues just aren't as vibrant and as healthy. And so there, there are a number of other sort of health concerns that can happen because of that dryness. Would you say that estrogen is probably one of the, one thing that would help both skin and your vaginal dryness or, or uh, atrophy or anything, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, vaginal estrogen is, is extremely safe for for almost anyone, obviously talk to your doctor first, but vaginal estrogen, which is, you're going to be just using it, you know, a few times a week or once a week, once you get used to it, um, you don't tend to have systemic effects. So it's not going to help your skin, but it will keep the vaginal tissues healthy. And so that's a great option for almost anyone. Um, and then systemic estrogen, which would be, you know, taking estrogen pills or creams or trochees or things like that. That's going to be a great option for a lot of women, not everyone. There's a, a subset that, you know, maybe you have a history of uh, breast cancer or estrogen positive cancers or things like that, that, or blood clots that maybe it's not the best idea, but for the most part, taking bioidentical estrogen is, is actually very beneficial uh, you know, for everything from brain health, cardiovascular health, bone health, skin health, vaginal health. A year ago, I was diagnosed with vaginal atrophy, and I was like, "What's that?" <laughs> and because uh, I didn't have any symptoms, but evidently on the radiograph or the sonogram, they showed that. I said, oh, "Okay, so what do I do?" So she gave me an estrogen, this little bullet that you put up your vagina, and I'm like, "Is that like what we're supposed to do?" And she said, "Yeah," and it was amazing. And it, in one year, I reversed it, and I didn't know you could reverse it. I thought we could just slow down the progression. I had another, I had some bit of a progesterone, had another doctor sort of give me this cocktail of progesterone estrogen. And, and when I looked at her, I said, did you mean that I reversed aging? And she said, well, I always, she's not an anti-aging doctor. She's like, I don't know if you want to go that far. And I said, yes, I reversed (laughs) aging. Just admit it. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I mean, I think that vaginal estrogen is underutilized, under talked about, like it's so safe. It's so simple. And it can make a huge difference. Um, and, and almost any doctor, you know, OBGYN, family practice, any kind of traditional doctor, even if they don't have sort of a bioidentical hormone practice, are comfortable with vaginal estrogen and prescribing that. So it's something that if you're not doing it, you know, talk to your doctor. Exactly. Get that juicy vagina. <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> there's some people, there's a myth that says sex isn't important as you age. You know, I think it's very important. I, you know, I, I always want to sort of make a caveat, which is that there are people who are not interested in sex and, you know, there's asexual people. It's just not their thing. And I, I think that every, everyone, you know, has an absolute right to their opinion and no one should feel bad about whatever their interest is or isn't. The people that I try to treat are the ones who are interested, who do want to have, you know, this healthy sex life and they're, but they're not there for whatever reason. But there is, you know, there's a, a decent amount of, of data out there that it at least shows a correlation between a healthy sex life and a number of markers of health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, cognitive health, and overall sort of mortality. Now we can't say it's necessarily causation, but you know, we know that if you're ha- if you have kind of an active, healthy sex life, then you tend to, it can, it can decrease your blood pressure. It can decrease, it can improve your sleep. It can decrease your stress. It can help with emotional, mental things. Like it can help with anxiety, depression, low self-esteem. There's some interesting studies in older people. And you might know about this with, with what you're studying, but in older individuals who are healthy, who have an active sex life, like having sex, maybe one to two times a week, they tend to have less cognitive decline than the people who are not doing that. And then there was a big study with a bunch of Welsh men uh, years ago that basically showed that in this population of men, the ones who were having sex one to two times a week over a 10 year time period had a 50% reduction in mortality compared to the ones who were not. Now, again, there's probably a lot going on here. There's a lot of social stuff. There's, there's a lot of things going on, but I think that sex is very healthy and it's one of these pillars of health that we don't really talk about that much as being important. Exactly. I completely agree with you. And and there may be a difference too, when we're talking about sex or an active sex life, it's healthy, active sex life and sexual health. 
for that matter, because yep. there's bits down there that I think we need to look at and pay attention to. And for some people, it's a stigma. And um, and in order to be healthy, if you're looking for for optimal health, uh, yeah, you got to pay attention to the sexual health, whether or not you're having sex. Exactly, exactly. I totally agree with that. I you know, the sexual health, the system is interesting, because it's, it's a nice sort of indicator of what's going on, you know, system wide, if you if you stop having morning erections, if you lose your libido as a, as a woman, if you, you know, you lose interest in sex, or if it's painful, um, there's something going on. And it's a kind of a good indicator to look a little deeper to see what that is, whether it's a hormonal issue, whether it's a, a mindset issue, whether it's a social issue, you know, emotional connection issue, like whatever it is, there's something going on that, you know, at the le- very least, get the bottom of it. And then you can decide if, if you can get, you know, want to move forward and, and have sex or not. Here's another one. Older women can't orgasm. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely wrong. I have so many patients who are in their 60s, 70s. I have women in their 80s. And they come to me sometimes because they have just started having problems with orgasm. And that is concerning to them. And, and oftentimes we're able to reverse that. So that's absolutely not true. Yeah. I understand with studies of insects, like research, of sex, they, uh, many of the participants are women over 40, 50, and they say that some of them are, many of them are having the best sex of their lives in, in around 50. So this is, this is fantastic yeah. news. <laughs> so you probably can. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause it, you know, you know yourself so well at that point, like you've had all these years with your own body. <laughs> to yes. figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't, and maybe your partner, if, you, if they've been with you for a while, has also had some time with you uh, to figure out what works. So I think that makes total sense that things should get better and better. Yeah. And, and actually there is a revival maybe because think about there are couples out there that, you know, kids have taken over and they start to separate they get farther and farther apart sexually and they haven't had sex for months or years. It's almost like relearning it. If you want to um, reprogram yourself or reignite your sex life. And if you haven't had sex in years with your partner, uh, I can imagine it's probably very awkward. Yeah, it's like being a teenager again. (laughs) You're like, what are we doing? Not quite that bad. (laughs) You got to go to sex school, go see Kim and Ami or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, okay. There's another one interesting. Older women don't need to worry about STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. Definitely false. There's been a lot of uh, STD outbreaks in, or STIs, I guess they say now, Mm. in, um, you know, in like nursing homes and assisted living facilities and care facilities and places like that, because the the population of some of these are are, are pretty rowdy and they kind of get around a little bit. And, you know, people just don't think about the infection risk, but, you know, it, it, it can happen at any age. Yes, that's exactly what we learned in gerontology as well. Plenty of older people um, having lots of sex and they do need to worry (laughs) about it just like everyone else. So how about our expectations? We should expect to have the same sex as we did in our twenties, even when we're over 50. Yeah, I think that that's definitely not true. You know, obviously things change, what what you like changes, what makes you happy changes, especially if you have a male partner, how his body is working changes. Um, You know, he may have difficulties with erections, maybe it's not lasting quite as long, or it's not, you know, it's not quite the same. There are a lot of things that can change as far as how that dynamic looks. But I don't think that means it has to stop by any, you know, any, uh, any measure. I think it's just about adjusting to what's happening with both partners. So what would you do for a man who's not having his erections anymore? What kind of treatments are you, are you, are you finding most successful? Um, we have a whole, a whole lot of things The uh, low intensity shockwave therapy, like gains wave is really, it's really effective and probably about 80% of men. What is that? It's like a, it's a mas- machine that we have in the office and it uses high intensity sound waves delivered like this, like kind of gun shaped handheld device. It sounds like a jackhammer and they, and these guys will do uh, about six treatments over the course of three weeks or so, where you're just in the office for 30 minutes and you get this sort of the sound wave treatment, it's, it's a little bit uh, uncomfortable, but we use numbing cream for it. 
But basically what it does is it recruits stem cells to the area, it increases uh, VEGF, which is gonna increase blood vessel formation and blood flow and increases local nitric oxide, which is really important for erection. So we see a lot of people having improvements with this. We can also do injections into the penis with PRP stem cells, exosomes, which can help again with kind of regenerating uh, the tissue. We can do um, off, you know, hormone replacement, low testosterone is a big cause of, of, um, of problems, certainly in men over 50 or so. So just replacing that testosterone can help. And then I'm working with a company right now that we're using electricity uh, and essentially applying electricity to the penis in a sort of specific way where you're sending in specific signals in a specific order to increase specific protein production to help repair the smooth muscle cells, the nerves, the blood flow, you know, things like that. So there are a lot of technologies aside from Viagra, aside from Cialis that are, that are here or soon to be here that can help men. Oh, interesting. So to explain a little bit, some people who don't know it, you said PRP, platelet-rich plasma, that's when you remove your own blood from your own body, spit it in a centrifuge and then re-inject it into the site that's necessary. Yes. And you know, if you've been following me for a while, I've done some podcasts on that. I've done my own on my knee and my hip, and I absolutely love it. But injecting it into the penis is sounds painful. <laughs> but, but it's it's worse. actually not. It's not that we, we numb the skin first, and it's it's a little tiny needle. It's not that bad. We also do the same thing for women, by the way. We do clitoral injections. We do vaginal injections, kind of G spot area injections with numbing with all of these. What does that do for a woman? PRP in the vagina. So, you know, you can, again, you're trying to increase blood flow to the area, you're trying to increase sensitivity, um, you know, potentially repair uh, tissue that's been damaged, or it's kind of kind of aged it can also be helpful for decreasing the signs of stress urinary incontinence in women. So if you have someone with kind of mild to moderate symptoms, just by increasing the health of the the tissue underneath the urethra there where we're injecting kind of around that G spot, you can support the urethra a little bit and we'll often have improvement in that. So we see, you know, people will have oftentimes improvement in vaginal dryness, improvement in sensation, orgasm, and lubrication is, like I said, is, it's a big one as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> you can put PRP literally anywhere. It's like, the, it's like this, you know, magic, not magic, but it's a, this growth factor mix that they could help, you know, anything from your joints to your skin, to your hair, to your vagina. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, and that's another great, you know, the sex and the skin going together, doing your PRP injections in your face for that rejuvenation. So this exactly. is really yeah, re rejuvenation, rejuvenating your, rejuvenating your vagina, rejuvenating your, <laughs> your skin. And it's, I love it because it's your own stuff, right? It comes from yourself and there's no yeah. chance of rejection. And, uh, you know, especially for people who are not into Botox or don't want it, it doesn't, it can't compare. I don't think it's the same effect, but, but right. it, they're different. They're just different. So I think that would be a, a wonderful um, alternative. So, okay. So yeah. let's get, go to the next one. There's nothing you can do to reverse an aging vagina. And I think... <laughs> just, you just answered that one. We just talked about it. And you know, also vaginal lasers like, uh, like Femilift, Mona Lisa, Diva, things like that. And radio frequency devices, which these are usually done in the, in the doctor's office, um, like vaginal radio frequency, like Vivive. These are also things that can be really helpful for helping with, um, again, with, you know, increasing the health of the vaginal wall, especially in people who are not able to take estrogen for some reason, although most people can, um, or helping with tone tightness, um, sensation. So pairing, like a vaginal laser with something like PRP injections or, and, or estrogen. And, and, you know, all of those things can go a long way to reversing any problems. How, how do you decide then what's better for somebody? If it's better, a laser, better PRP, what are their the conditions? I use laser, you know, lasers are going to treat the whole vaginal canal versus the PRP injections are really more kind of vulva and just inside the vagina. So it's going to treat the outside where the clitoris is, and then it's going to treat just inside, you know, a couple of centimeters where that, where that G spot is. So it's not going to go, we're not going to go all the way in with injections, you know, all around. You could, you could, but generally we're not. So if it's like a vaginal dryness issue, um, oftentimes I'll do a laser treatment or the radio frequency treatment, um, or I'll send patients home with something like a, um, like a V fit, uh, device, which is a vaginal red light therapy device that you use at home. 
And that can also be helpful. It's very gentle. It's a home device. It's just a wellness device. Um, you do it a few times a week, and that can be helpful for increasing blood flow and increasing um, you know, vaginal uh, sensation and dryness also. It's not as good as like estrogen or vaginal lasers, but I think it's a great home tool that I'll often sometimes send patients home with. So it just kind of depends on what what they're looking for. Oftentimes we'll pair these things together. I mean, the best, the best treatments in my mind are you combine several of these treatments together to give them you know, multiple benefits. Can I ask then what is the cost of these types of treatments? How much does somebody need to invest? It really depends on where you're, where you're going, who's treating you. Like, you know, at my clinics, if you have my physician assistants or our nurse practitioners treat you, it's going to be less than if you're having me treat you. But I would say for the PRP, you're starting probably around 800 to a thousand dollars for injections for, and that depends on kind of where you live in the, in the U S is that per injection or is that for like three or it's usually for one session for the lasers. Usually you'll get like a, like if you get three, three laser treatments, for instance, maybe it's going to be two or $3,000 for that three. Um, but again, it kind of depends on where you are. Some people, some places are a lot less expensive. Some are a little bit more. So it's kind of variable. And these things are generally not covered by insurance um, Mm. unless you're seeing some of the laser treatments by an OBGYN for a specific, like, you know, stress incontinence may or may not. But for the most part, because these are still, a lot of these are considered to be either investigational or they're considered to be kind of more like cosmetic-y kind of uh, things. They're not covered by insurance. They shouldn't be cosmetic-y. This is longevity, aging, <laughs> sex, we should be paying more attention to it. So, so with these treatments, do people just do it once in their life and they're done with it or do they have to do it several um, times? Oftentimes they'll do it like on a, you know, maybe once a year, once every two years, you know, a lot of it depends on what else they're doing. So if you're doing for instance, if you're on, if you're on hormone replacement therapy and you are, or, or vaginal estrogen and your everything is really staying pretty youthful, then you probably wouldn't need to repeat it as much as if you weren't. So, you know, and if you're generally healthy, if you're taking, you know, doing supplements or exercising, you know, all the things that are going to contribute to health are going to slow down the aging process everywhere in the body, including in the, in the sexual tissues. So that will make a big difference, but oftentimes people will repeat these things, you know, occasionally once every year, once every two years, things like that. Mm, yeah. And I, I've heard you on other podcasts and I like how you really stress that, you know, these are great treatments, but you also teach your, your patients and clients about the foundations of health, right? So that you do have a better outcome and, you, you know, in terms, in terms of your diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, because it's, it's, it's so much more powerful w- when you have that combination, right? Yeah. Just go back to smoking and being out in the sun and expect, you know, just a PRP to save the day. Yeah, it's so true. And in fact, I won't treat active smokers at this point, as far as with, with the, with the injections, with the PRP or stem cell injections, I don't treat active smokers um, just because we know that the healing isn't as good in that population and the effects are not really going to be that good. And so what I don't want you to do is to come in and waste your money and feel like, you know, that I just took your money from you. Mm-hmm. So if you're an active smoker, I, you know, I just try to have people quit um, if they can at least you know, a month or two ahead of time before we do procedures and same thing with, you know, unfortunately, if you have poorly controlled diabetes, if you have poorly controlled high blood pressure, if you have, you know, other um, sort of metabolic diseases that are, that are pretty significant, these regenerative regenerative treatments like the PRP or exosomes or stem cells or things like that are just not going to be as effective because you don't have, you know, you have this, I, I think of it as sort of like a garden, right? Like you're, we're essentially adding fertilizer to a garden when we do these regenerative treatments. But if you've got kind of uh, soil, that's not going to take, you know, it's not going to grow a lot of crops anyway, then the, the fertilizer is not really going to help. So we got to work on that soil first and get the sort of the foundational health stuff dialed in first before we start stacking on any of these extra things. Well, I'm so glad you, you, yeah, you, you mentioned that it's, it's so important. So then the next question or the next myth, if your partner isn't interested in sex, then there's nothing we can do. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot that you could do on your own. You know, I think that, you know, that masturbation self-pleasure is, is important, whether you have a partner or not. Um, certainly if your partner is not responsive or not interested, or if you don't have a partner, um, there's no reason that you can't enjoy what you have and enjoy your body. And, and I am very much on the, on the pro side of that argument. Mm. So what would you recommend to somebody who's doesn't have a partner in terms of masturbation, or is there like somebody you'd you know, you'd refer to, or do you just say, go and get this toy? Or what would you recommend to somebody? Yeah, I think a 
lot of it, you know, a lot of it depends on people's comfort level. If you're not comfortable with that, with the idea of that at all, then certainly there are, um, there are books and, and, and tons of videos and things like that out there. But, but I think a lot of it's just, uh, just kind of experimenting, like get into a, a, a safe place where you feel comfortable, put on some nice music. You can certainly, there are a ton of different great sex toys out there, but you could also just use your hands and, and, you know, see what feels good. I've had women come to see me who are in their, you know, in their forties and their fifties, they've had kids, they've done all these things. They've never had an orgasm and they've come to see me because they were hoping I would do a procedure on them. And when I start talking to them, some of them have never even looked at their vulva or they've never touched themselves. They've never, that's not something that they were taught that it wasn't, it wasn't okay to do that. What I told them is I can't do a procedure on you because it's not going to be that helpful. You have to start with like learning what feels good. I think you'll have much more success just spending some time with yourself, whether that's with a toy, with your, with alone, than you will with me putting needles, you know, in your, in your vagina. <laughs> it's super powerful and it's not, it's free and it's, it's easy <laughs> and it just takes a little bit of practice. Yes, absolutely. You know, so we've been so conditioned in the Western world and in other parts of the world as well is, you know, when you think about even a baby changing the diaper, if it's a female, she starts to touch herself down there. You, people would just pull the hand away and put on the diaper and say, now, you know, so starting from, from baby <laughs> times, right. you could be conditioned you just don't go there or, you know, really it's, it's a, it's a, it's sad because then we get older and go, okay, well, we've never even touched ourselves down there and we don't even know what we like. We don't like. So I encourage people, yeah, like you to explore, but you just got me thinking, you know, you were, you said there were videos out there. We can follow to learn about this stuff without, yeah. I mean, are we not talking about porn? I'm just saying, would, would, would you be able to Google on YouTube and say, well, how to masturbate and would something pop up? Uh, like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, well, yeah, there'd be a lot of things that would pop up. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> things that you may not want to, want to see. I, I don't have any off the top of my head, but I've definitely seen sites. Like, like, like there's an app called Rosie that might have some good information. That's an app specifically for females. It's to help with increasing libido and, and, and it does a lot of sexual education. And I know that they do video series and things as well on that. It's like ROSY, I believe. Um, so things like that, that are uh, you know, geared to women, but in a way that's smart and tasteful and, um, and not going to make people cringe, I think are, are probably the best avenues to go into. Oh, that's so good to know. It's so good to know. I was thinking, where do you go without going down the porn route? And you just want to be educated and, and if you have a safe space as well to, yeah. to learn, to explore, I mean, why not? This is sexual education for midlife, <laughs> like really. Yeah. Isn't it funny how we don't get sexual education beyond like 10th grade when we learn about, you know, wear a condom and don't get a, an STI. Like that's basically the end of it. After 10th grade, it's like, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> and even that, what we got was pathetic, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, you know, it, it's really, really sad that we don't talk more about this. And, and I really hope that, you know, we're disrupting this a little bit so that in our future generations will, will be much more comfortable about it. And it is a part of you. It is related to aging and longevity and happiness and so many other great things, whether you decide to have sex or not, that's like you said, your own interest, but um, really to have sexual health is, is really important, I believe. So, okay, we, I just have to open up the questions to everybody else. I'm getting to you. Um, I just want to, you know, there's so many other myths I want to buzz, but I know you have to, to, to get to work. Before we open up, I wanted to, I promised I would ask you a question about rapid rebound. You posted this on your Instagram and it was super interesting. And, you know, it, it's, I don't think it's related to, to sex or you know, to sex and skin, but, you know, in a way it is. So tell us a little bit more about what, what that is. So that is a new supplement that uh, me and a couple of uh, people on my team came up with just in the last year, we kind of put this formulation together. It's basically, pep it's a peptide blend, two peptides and an amino acid, amino, um, a fatty acid amide. But the peptides that are involved are BPC-157, which I think most people who are 
probably following, you know what that is, but it's a, it's an amazing peptide for healing. And actually it does have a number of skin benefits as well for skin healing, uh, for collagen production, um, and things like that. But it's, it's most known for musculoskeletal healing for, you know, mm -hmm. improving for tendons and, and bones and joints and cartilage and things like that. Um, and then it has in there as well, AOD 9604, which is a growth hormone fragment that's also specifically aimed at healing. So it's kind of like the, a lot of the, some of the benefits of growth hormone without the insulin effects or some of the other downsides. And then the last one that's in there is called PEA and that's an anti-inflammatory and pain uh, kind of, it helps with pain as well through the endocannabinoid pathway. So it kind of works uh, in the same kind of pathway as something like CBD, but it's a little bit different. So this is a peptide blend. That's an oral, um, oral blend, which is unique in that, you know, previously you had to get prescriptions, you had to do injections on yourself and it was kind of painful. And so this product is an oral product that's actually, um, well uh, absorbed. And so we're pretty excited to launch it. Thank you for asking. So where can we get it? So if you go to letter 11 labs, all spelled out.com, then you can get it there. And I have a discount code, which is just killing 25. So if you use that, you can get 25% off. Oh, great. K I double L E N. So, oh, that's so great. Do you deliver outside of the U S not currently, but just from regulatory issues, we don't, you know, for reasons of regulation, but um, hopefully eventually we will have to, we'll have to go through all the hoops and see what, where we're allowed to go from here. But so right now, just in the U S oh, darn it. Yeah. When I saw BPC 157, I was like, oh, there's one. Okay. I can get this now. Cause it's so hard for us to get in Europe. Yeah. And, and, and if you don't want, especially when we want to go down the ejection route, I thought it would be perfect. So I'll have to slip it into my kids um, suitcase when they come and visit right. <laughs> from the U S we'll load you up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent. So one last question before we open up, what are you doing on a daily basis to keep your sex life active and your skin youthful? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, the biggest thing I'm doing that I'm getting better and better at is sleeping, which I, you know, people don't talk about, but it's so closely tied with both skin health and sexual health is getting, you know, a good seven or eight hours of sleep. Um, I, I have a, I have a, um, Uller mat, which is the, you know, like a chili pad, but keeps it keeps your mat, your bed cold at night, which I love. Um, so that's been really helpful. I have a great eye mask, you know, I have a whole routine. Now I have a, this little infrared mat that are, you know, kind of PEM mat that I'm using before bed. So I have this whole like sleep program. And I think it's, it's waking when I wake up, I just feel so much more ready to kind of tackle the day. Um, so that's really big. Um, I'm, I'm 45, so I have not on any kind of hormones yet, but I am following that and tracking that and make sure I, you know, check all my blood, my blood counts. And eventually we'll kind of, I do a lot of hormone replacement in my, in my office and we'll definitely keep an eye on those really closely. Cause I want to make sure that, um, that I know exactly what's happening, but really the big thing is sleeping, exercising is, you know, a big one as well. And then I do have a, a V the V fit plus, which is that red light therapy device that I told you that intravaginal one love that. So I'll do these, I'll do these, what I call face nap face naps, where I have a, I have a red light therapy device that I wrap around my face and I turn on my white noise, I close my door. And then I put my V fit in, which is a vaginal device and also red light therapy. And then I just lay there for like 30 minutes. And, <laughs> and it's so fit. I just love it. My, my, my kids know that if I'm doing my face nap, like not to come in my room, cause it's like my, <laughs> it's like my meditation time. So that is like a, it's like a, it's a, it's amazing. So I highly suggest uh, adopting it. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. I heard about the VFIT before. So I'm very curious about it. And you talk about red light therapy too, it's just, there's gotta be some amazing rejuvenating benefits for that. Yeah. So I'm going to open up the panel. If anybody has questions here, please, you can unmute un un your mic. You can ask any questions. Hi, I was, I'm packing. I have the last 10 minutes. Sorry. Hello. Thank you. Yes. Hi. Hi. Just uh, maybe I have two questions. One, uh, do you recommend any vaginal gym? Any vaginal what? Sort of gym, train, just to move to you know, to, to, to do some exercises. Like oh, a pelvic absolutely. floor exercise, maybe? Pelvic floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Kegels, of course, are, are excellent for your pelvic floor. And that's just the, you know, contracting those, those vaginal muscles, like you, like you're stopping your urine flow. And there's a, like a bunch of different ways to do Kegels that can be really effective. And I recommend, you know, throughout the day doing these, these short bursts um, of Kegels, for sure. Any kind of things like Pilates and yoga, where you're engaging your pelvic floor is going to be really helpful for keeping the pelvic floor muscles uh, intact. And then there are also some great devices. There's a device called, and I don't know if it's available widely, it's called intensity device or apex device. That's, I know it's here in the US, but it's essentially an intravaginal TENS unit 
you know what ten, the TENS units are that you put on your muscles and it contracts your muscles. So there's one, um, a medical device that you actually put, just put inside your vagina at home and it contracts uh, those pelvic floor muscles. And it's, it's amazing. It's really good for strengthening those muscles. So that can be really helpful as well. What do you buy it online? Online, um, the company is, it's called, so the device is called Intensity or Apex. Apex is the medical device. Intensity is the non-medical, but it's the exact same device, except for it has a vibrator uh, on it as well. So that's um, the company. I don't know what the company, I think it's by, I'll have to look it up. I can't remember the company's name, but just look up Intensity device or, you know, Intensity uh, intravaginal TENS unit. And and another question, libido. So I feel that I'm losing it because I think I'm getting bored of the same partner after 20 years. Do you think it's psychological? I mean, it's definitely true that, you know, if people who are with the same partner for a long time, it's, it's a lot easier to kind of get bored. It's a, it's a certainly a thing that happens. I think that, you know, you have a couple of choices. One is to just really start to try to mix things up with your partner as far as, you know, trying new things, um, you know, doing things that you just haven't done before, uh, or, or opening, or, you know, obviously you could open up to other partners. Um, there's, there's kind of a lot out there. There's uh, Esther Perel writes a lot. I don't know if you know Esther Perel, but she's a fantastic author. Yeah, I know her very well. Yeah. Yeah. And she writes a lot about sort of this, this thing that happens where you start to feel very safe and secure, but then you lose the excitement and energy with, you know, with long-term relationships and how to balance that. So I don't have all the answers. I wish I did. I've been with my husband for, you know, 23 years at this point. So I understand. (laughs) That's long. You don't look like you... So you feel, I mean, is this, this is common, right? It's not only me, it's normal. No, it's very common. It's very common. It's a big reason why people, why people cheat and why people have affairs is that after, you know, seven, 10, 15 years, it's, uh, you still love your partner, but they're just not as exciting as they were before. Right. Like it's, that's, I think that's totally normal. Um, and how we, there's a lot of different ways to handle it. And I'm not sure that any of them are, are perfect, but I think that it's absolutely normal. No, because I think maybe I should uh, I should take some estrogen, some I don't know hormones to make me feel more <laughs> attracted. <laughs> right. It, yeah, it's hard because that's the thing about sex. It's so tricky, right? It's not. It's hormones are a piece of it, but if it's also the like, are you excited? Is it? It's you know, do you feel good about yourself? Do you love your partner? But also, do you you know, do you want to have sex with your partner? Could I take something like some pills to be more attracted by the same husband? You could, you could certainly try to take some things that will make you just more like, for instance, the, there's a peptide called PT 141. I don't know if you have access to it there. Um, it's, it's a drug in the U S called uh, Valisi that's got FDA approved here. And it's a melanocortin uh, pathway drug basically, but it makes you like have like, like it makes you horny. It makes you have like a, like an increased libido and it can, and it lasts for hours, like six hours. And so something like that, you know, might be helpful. What's but, it called again? <laughs> Let me write this down. <laughs> so the, the, the peptide itself is called PT-141, um, but it's it's an FDA-approved drug here in the U.S. Uh, that's called Valisi, which is V-Y-L-E-E-S-I. I don't feel very comfortable. I think it's chemical, right? It's nothing natural. Well, it's it's basically the same. So there's a, there's a hormone or a, a chemical called melanocortinin in your body. That's, that's, that's stimulated in your brain already. And there are already these hormones. This particular drug is the same hormone that's just kind of truncated. So it's not, it's not natural, but it's very similar to something that's already in your head, in your brain. I will use my creativity. <laughs> okay. yeah. Otherwise, PT-141, the horny drug. <laughs> the horny drug. It can certainly help, but it also can have side effects. It can also make you have headaches or nausea. Like it's definitely not, it's definitely not perfect for sure. It's not for me. No. Thank you. Anyway, thank you very much. You're welcome. You might want to consider, I have to say, Kim Anami is brilliant. And she has got a lot of great posts on Instagram, but she also has a sexual sexual courses of sex, well, courses on relationships. And she's, I think she you've got to go listen to the podcast that I did with her. She is really, really interesting. And so she talks a lot about, and so she, you know, goes down the natural route. You may want to consider one of her programs, or I have to say I did the 30 day sex challenge. I, uh, (laughs) that definitely worked for us. I've been married, I don't know, over 25 years. And uh, it was, it was fun. And I think 
that's one of the things that you can do. But I do also think that your brain is one of the biggest sex organs in the body. So, so we, we have a lot of power there. So, but, you know, good to hit it out on all different sides as well. So like you, you know, like you do your treatments and it's taking different, different approaches and something will definitely work. Hello. Hello, Amy. Hi. I'm so good finally see you online i'm so sorry because i'm traveling and i am in the middle between croatia and slovenia and i'm non-stop out of the signal so i have missed so many important parts of your interview i am personally very interested in this new supplement what does it mean if you take uh if you take it uh in regards of um, let me say um Sex, yes, sex desire or whatever. Thank you. So, which supplement are you talking about? The the the, pep, the PT the peptide, like the PT one forty one peptide. Yes, what you have posted uh, recently, also on Instagram. Oh, the rapid rebound. So that one is not specifically for sex. That one is more. It's more for. It's going to be more for skin and just healing and musculoskeletal pain healing and kind of just keeping you know keeping things uh, like injury free. That one's not so much for sex. Um, I would love to put together one for sex at some point, but um, right now the a lot of the peptides for sex and and libido are not um, allowed without prescription. So I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to do that at some point. Thank you. But what would you say uh, when you are comparing estrogen and uh, testosterone? So they're very different. Um, you know, estrogen is the primary um, hormone that women need uh, you know, at any time. So certainly postmenopausal estrogen is the one that you're going to miss the most, but it's good. So it's important for everything from skin health to, you know, bone health, heart health, um, all, you know, basically all systems wide in your body are going to use estrogen. Testosterone is also important for women. It, it tends to be uh, necessary for things like, like motivation, um, like kind of get up and go, you know, it can help with reducing like abdominal fat and adiposity around the mid, the midsection. Um, it can help with building muscle and certainly with libido as well. But so, you know, generally you're going to want to do a combination estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. Thank you. I'm using so far estradiol and progesterone. Hello, do you hear me? Yes, we hear you. You're using estrogen and progesterone. Yeah. And now I'm waiting to get testosterone as well. So I will report if I noticed any difference. <laughs> Thank you. Otherwise, I don't have these problems you are addressing you are addressing today. But maybe it will be even more interesting when starting using testosterone. Yeah, keep us posted. The only thing with testosterone is you want to watch, watch out for breaking out. You can sometimes get skin breakouts with testosterone um, when you first are taking it. So just keep your dose kind of low at first. Thank you. So if anyone wants to reach out to you, I have your Instagram, which is at Dr. Amy B, B as in boy, Killen, K-I-L-L-E-N. And you're also on YouTube, Dr. Amy Killen, and Facebook, Dr. Amy B. Killen, just like your Instagram. And you've got a website, DrAmyKillen.com. Is there anywhere else that people should reach out to you? Those are the main things. I have multiple websites. Um, I have my uh, stem cell clinic website, which is Doceri Clinics, D-O-C-E-R-E clinics.com. And then my actual clinic, uh, other clinic here in Utah is biorestoration.com. Um, so I have a lot of websites, but one of those, reach out to one of those and you can find me. And if somebody wanted a consultation with you, even though they couldn't actually get to you, you're in, in Park City, Utah? Yeah, Park City and, and um, Salt Lake City. So I'm not taking new patients right now, except for stem cell patients. Um, my clinic by restoration is taking new patients, but you do have to be able to come in for the initial visit. So we're not doing um, telemedicine except for after that first visit. Mm, okay, that's really good to know. So if anyone is around, or at least in the US, <laughs> wanting to do stem cell stem cells, then they could reach out to you. Is there anything last minute you'd want to share about sex and skin before I let you go? Um, no, I think that we've covered everything. I think the main thing is to, you know, stay optimistic, stay curious. There's a lot out there that we can do at this point, a lot you can do to, to improve sex, sexual health and skin health and, um, and don't give up on yourself at any age. At any age. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. I will see you on Instagram and keep doing the amazing work that you're doing and paving the way for us women in midlife. <laughs> to keep happy sex and beautiful skin. So have a great day. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Zora. Bye-bye. 
Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.